Will there be a little ride on Space Mountain? What the fuck are you doing? This guy went to flash you. You fuck this, crooked. This ain't the end. Somebody go get me a bucket. Gonna light the corn beef and cabbage. You'll be the fidget uh, of the I understand. You will have to depend on the pens for the rest of your life. Straight OG brother, is that what you're saying? Don't you worry about my hand. That coffee boy. I feel like a combination of Bob Barker and Ric Flair. I tried to apologize. What do you call Chimes. I have extra money tonight in case we run a little short. Perhaps you should seek professional help. Like a little, little, little stupid person. You made that up. You have lost it. Lost what? Your mind. A cockroach in my apple pie. You better put your jack on. But that can't always happen when one guy's wearing a recliner. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 37 of the Nitromania podcast. My name is Adam. I'm your host. I'm really starting to regret this. Uh, last week on the show, Andy was kind enough to fill in in an emergency spot as we discussed Slamboree 96 and the Lethal Lottery Battle Bowl Lord of the Ring tournament that took up 12 matches of a 15-match card. We also had more Macho Man shenanigans on Nitro and a very unfulfilling title match with Arn Anderson. Uh, this is episode 37, meaning there is now one episode for each play written by William Shakespeare, counting Henry VIII as three parts. One episode for each slot on a European roulette wheel, and you can consider this the official episode of the smallest known planet, Kepler 37b. Now this is a, a pivotal evening for Monday Nitro. Last week's episode was a special 90-minute episode. Tonight we transition to a full two-hour program each and every week. Uh, and since this is such a special episode, and since we had some issues a couple of weeks ago, I have a very special guest with me once again here on the show. Officially his first time on the program, but not uh, <laughs> quite in real life. Joining me yep. once again from the New Blood Rising podcast, from uh, Wrestling in the Clinton Years, Mr. Martin Dixon has agreed to join me once again. Hello, Martin. How are you? Hello. Thank you for will you're know, willing to put up with me again after technical issues last time. <laughs> But, uh, and thank you, and hello listeners, because this w- will actually be your first time listening to me on this, <laughs> even though there is a, a half of a, a Slambury recording out somewhere. <laughs> somewhere in the ether. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, uh, since this is, I know, I know we've talked about it before, but since this is your, your technical debut here, uh, tell the folks, uh, if they're unaware about the New Blood Rising, about your, your blog slash book project. What what do the folks need to know about you going into this? Um, well, first of all, the guys will kill me if I don't mention New Blood Rising. Um, it is a chronological podcast of various wrestling eras. We started with uh, the sort of Vince Russo era of WCW all the way through to its end, which was actually post Vince Russo. Um, hence the name New Blood Rising. That transitioned into the weird WWF period between uh, WrestleManias uh, 17 and 18, including the invasion. Um, then season three was the entirety of the ECW pay-per-view canon, for, right from barely legal all the way up until um, ECW One Night Stand 2006 and TNA Hard- Hardcore Justice 2010. So do do not say we do not suffer for our art. I, I was going to say that's a that's a labor of love going all the way to that TNA pay per view. It was it was we had we had very heated discussions about whether we should do that or not. <laughs> um, 
Season four was a nice brief one, chronicling all the uh, the WrestleMania matches of one Undertaker, which may or still or may or may not be complete as of the, as of this this year's WrestleMania. Uh, and now in season five, we're all going way way back to a period that I think all of us are pretty much unfamiliar with, in that we're now looking at the beginning of WCW from its earliest pay-per-views as the company WCW. So starting with um, Great American Bash 90, Sting Flair for the gold, um, just going all the way through to pretty much when Hogan shows up, because that's definitely when WCW shifts a gear. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, yeah, so that goes by probably about a year, year and a half or so before this show kicks on in September of 95. With uh, yep. with the first episode of Nitro, but uh, yep, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I was also forgot, given that it's one of the things I'm plugging at the moment. Um, the reason I'm kind of here is because 1996 Nitro was kind of my jam for a few years, mm-hmm. um, because I I endeavoured to do this kind of show, but written form a few years ago. So I I went through sort of Nitro starting from January of 1996 through to the um, the night after Bash at the Beach. Um, so taking in the whole pre-NWO Hogan of 1996, because mm-hmm. I always thought, well, there is a WWE version of history, there is a <laughs> wrestling version of history, but I had never seen these episodes. I, I only knew what the history books had told me. So when the network was a thing and it cropped up on there, I just went through everything, and every chapter in the book is an entire episode of that Nitro recapped and my thoughts as I go. So, you know, stuff that I like, stuff that I hate, stuff that I was surprised by, stuff that I necessarily wasn't. Um, and just to see just where WWE revisionist history kind of papers over some stuff. So, um, yeah, this, this was a big chapter. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Um, yeah. And so that is available as a, uh, as a, as a blog, as a book. I think it's yep. coming out in print as well as an ebook. So. Uh, yes, yeah, um, uh, just through Amazon because it's 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 just the most easiest way uh, way of self publishing. Um, mm. There is an ebook version, and then there is a paperback version with some slightly tweaked reviews and some little bits of new sort of analysis here and there over the uh, over the ebook version. But uh, that. It's just more to say that I can, I've actually done it because right. to have, to have 60,000 words of a project just sat there doing nothing. Um, it seemed like, yeah, perhaps I should do something with all of these. <laughs> so yeah, it's all, all collected in one nice concise place. So you don't have to go bouncing around various websites to, uh, to find them. And it's, it's pretty inexpensive. So uh, yeah, t- uh, just over two dollars for the, for the ebook version. Like I said, it's not, I'm not in this to make money. I just want to point to something and go, Hey, I did that. <laughs> yeah. It's nice seeing it on a, on a store page with the likes of Jericho's biographies and, <laughs> and what culture stuff. And there's, right. there's, there's my thing. Right. All right. Let's dive right in. This is again mm-hmm. the first two hour nitro. It is uh, Monday, May 27th. So let's see how they take advantage of that fully unopposed first hour. Try and get people not to tune over to Raw for the second hour. I can already tell from the extremely spoilerific thumbnail they chose to use for the WWE Network <laughs> that this is going to be a good episode. Yep. <laughs> uh, so once again, it is Monday, May 27th, Memorial Day, 1996, and we are live from yet another undisclosed location as Tony Schiavone welcomes us to Nitro at the top of his goddamn lungs. 
His partner for the first hour is the living legend, Larry Zbysko. Tony promises us Sting versus Scott Steiner for the first time ever on television. Plus, the giant will defend against the shark. You know, I think shark may have a chance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, he He's well overdue that long-awaited title run. <laughs> nothing, nothing says a company on the rise like the shark as, as your world champion. Uh, more more on that next week. Plus, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson will team up, and a new client of Colonel Rob Parker. Larry Zabisco adds his commentary between those announcements, but it's not he doesn't say much. No. Uh, your opening contest this evening is a tag team match, the American Males versus the Horsemen, Anderson and Flair. Tony calls this match preparation for the Great American Bash. Apparently, the American Males are at the same talent level as Mongo and Kevin Green, so... Fuck that, you, Scotty that, Yeah, that, that's a burial. <laughs> <laughs> Ric Flair is finally wearing a different robe. We're, we're pink now, as opposed to the green one he's been wearing for the last month and a half. Uh, Miss Elizabeth and Woman are both in seafoam green. Zabisco suggests that Mongo should just divorce Deborah instead of facing Ric Flair at the bash. <laughs> uh. It's it's an extreme reaction, but yeah. Mm. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I don't think I don't think anybody would harsh Mongo for that. <laughs> well, future. But anyways, uh, Zabisco continues to talk shit about Kevin Green as Flair and Anderson beat the crap out of Scotty Riggs. Bagwell makes the save on the outside and the males take advantage. They drive both horsemen from the ring and then give the crowd the clap. They fuck around for a bit without actually wrestling and then Anderson ends up in the ring with Bagwell. They go outside. Anderson chops the ring post and we go to break. When we come back from break, Bagwell is beating up Flair. They both tag out, and Flair uses dirty tricks to allow Anderson to chop block Riggs. Anderson then focuses on the knee. Flair tags in and continues that focus. I don't mind having two separate announce teams for Hour 1 and Hour 2, but I do have to wonder why Hour 1 is at ringside and Hour 2 is up at the announce desk we've had all along. Um, eventually, Riggs gets an enzigiri that puts Anderson out of the ring. Flair tries to sneak in and gets caught by Randerson. Then Flair and Randerson get in a shoving match. Why? <laughs> because because he's Ric Flair and he can do what he wants. Apparently. It's, it, uh, anyway, uh, Flair gets tagged in, a hot tag to Bagwell. He takes out everyone. A missile dropkick takes out Flair. Anderson makes the save at two. They do a small package spot that eventually gets a two. Then Riggs causes Bagwell to not get a pinfall by distracting the referee. Such great teamwork by the American males. Uh, Bagwell gets DDT'd by Anderson, and Riggs doesn't make the save in time. Your winners, the Horsemen. So, decent opening match. I know uh, we had talked about it in our recording, we talked about it in Andy last week, that the 90-minute Nitro seemed to just be uh, a stretched-out version of a regular Nitro. It seems like things yeah. are moving at a faster pace here for episode one of the two-hour era. Yeah, they... They're, they seem aware that they've got something to prove. So it's like, yep, get Flair out there nice and early. Put him in with the American males, who I am becoming somewhat of an apologist for. I think they're better than their theme song <laughs> would, uh, <laughs> would, uh, would suggest. Um, but, like I saw the matches with sort of Public Enemy and stuff, and it's like, actually, Bagwell had something. Mm-hmm. Something drastically went wrong with that boy because here I think he's actually quite good. He's a bit of a bit of a hoss. That missile drop kick was incredibly scary, and 
I imagine Flair's life may have flashed before his eyes <laughs> at some point because it, I think he did really catch him. His head goes back. Um, but yeah, Scotty Riggs did did the thing, you know, selling the knee, and then this was. I really, really enjoyed this. I don't know if it's just me being kind of blinkered by the fact that it's Arn and Flair and, you know, like I said, Bagwell apologist. But no, I, I thought this was a hell of a way to open a show. Sure. Considering even at this stage, Raw was kind of, you know, meh, <laughs> which we'll talk about at the end probably. But, mm. you know, it's like, yeah, this this seems more vibrant. This you know, if I was a, a viewer channel off it, channel off in '96 and saw, you know, holy shit, Ric Flair, like in a in main event quality kind of match. Yep, yep, sign me the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, sorry, I forgot. Also mentioned, did you uh, did you catch um, Larry and Tony getting champ- given champagne during the match? <laughs> <laughs> That's mm. class. Mm. That you wouldn't get that on WWE. Well, could the WWF afford champagne at this point? <laughs> Lord knows. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's probably why they're at ringside. <laughs> Flair and the ladies make their way to the VIP section where Gene... Pull up your socks and get ready. ...is waiting. Anderson doesn't give a shit about Mongo or Green. They're just football players, and they'll be easily defeated. So write that down somewhere for a couple of weeks from now. Flair yeah. utters nonsense, as Flair's want to do. Called Deborah McMichael for a long... Come in here, girls! Ladies. We got a new saying... Liz, woman myself, double A, we've been to the Keys all weekend. We got a new saying, sky rockets at night, woo, afternoon light. McMichael, green, wherever you are, and I don't care how many times I'll throw, you've been in your lifetime, Commissioner Pete Roselle, better step in now. You know why? You want to know why? Hey, hey, hey. Come on, Flair. Don't make up. That's why, McMichael, while you've been playing football, I've been making up a lost time down Austin Way. Deborah belongs to the nature boy. Well, I don't know about that. Elizabeth, what are your feelings about, uh, is this two-timing in your estimation? Oh, no. The champ can have anything he wants. Oh, please. And you know what? Another little secret. You know, Savage, everybody thought that I was Liz and Woman's sugar daddy. Wrong with your bankroll, brother. She's me and Double A. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. Stay tuned. More Nitro continues. Tony, let's get back to you, pal. There is a a period. This particular period of Ric Flair, because, I mean, everybody cites the whole he went crazy sanitarium skits thing, but this kind of Flair, where he clearly doesn't seem to give an absolute flying F about anybody or anything, is kind of fun. He can say the most ridiculous stuff and can seemingly get away with it. So on the, the night, the, the show that never was, we were talking about it, how he was basically saying to Ted Turner's wife, yeah, I'm going to shag you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Up next, thankfully, Tony promises a, tra- a training montage from Mongo and Kevin Green. Hooray. When it's we- very grunty, isn't it? It's very... <laughs> When, when we come back, we get that training montage set to some sweet light rock elevator music. I have been watching 
wrestling for over 20 years at this point in my life, this is one of the most homoerotic things I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, it's... There is, like, a second half to this of them in the shower, like, flicking each other with towels <laughs> that, that, that didn't air, I, I feel. Mm. There's, there is a, a massive undercurrent and a sense that they would make a lovely couple. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But sa- sadly, 19, in 1996, we, we weren't as tolerant as we are now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm... Also, also, Kevin Green's rat tail? <laughs> What? I've seen some bad wrestling haircuts in my time, but that takes the bit. It's virtually non-existent. Mm. If you're watching on like, if you're watching in 1996 on like standard definition TVs, I would imagine you wouldn't know it was there. <laughs> but possible, yeah. Um, and yes, I, I will not be including the audio for that training montage just because it's far too long to include here. But um, yeah. It's, you know, I was going to say go back and watch it, but don't. Just no, don't. no. There's no reason to do that. Uh, although, again, to be spoiler pants for a moment, there is a better training montage you will see in a few weeks <laughs> where oh. the, the, the epiphany and revelation that the two have about strategy and the way it comes about is storytelling gold. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, we, we then get some guy named Steve Dahl. Uh, he's wearing a Mif- Mr. Perfect-esque singlet. He is far from perfect. Uh, his opponent is Colonel Parker's new protege, a gentleman known only as The Mauler. The Mauler is wearing tights, but is then also wearing chaps over those tights. Dahl starts off with some quick offense, but Mauler takes over, even hitting a nice follow-away slam off the second yeah. rope. A big shoulder block takes down Dahl. They basically dump each other over the top rope, which Shivani tells us isn't a disqualification because they both went out. And they fight outside the ring until the commercial break. When we come back from commercial, they're in the ring. Somehow this match is still going on. Uh, I know. Then Scott Hall, of all people, tops the barricade and demands a microphone. This is an iconic enough promo that I'm just going to play it in full. I- I have no idea. Wait a minute. I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm saying it. You people. What's with him? You know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. Are we going to get security here? Where is Billionaire Ted? Where is the Nacho Man? That punk can't even get in the building. Me, I go wherever I want, whenever I want. And where, oh where, is Scheme Gene? Because I got a scoop for you. When that Ken doll lookalike, when that weatherman wannabe comes out here later tonight, I got a challenge for him, for billionaire Ted, for the nacho man, and for anybody else in uh, 
WCW. Hey, you want to go to war? You want a war? You're going to get one. Fans, I, what about the match? I don't know what to say. Randy Anderson's coming. Randy? Randy, what's going on here? What about the match, Randy? What what what's going? The match is match. Fans, we got to go to a break. I, the match left. I have no idea what to say. Stay with us. Jeez. Now, remember a couple of weeks ago when I promised that it would get good soon? Yeah, I think I think we've hit that point. Yep. <laughs> now. Remember, the whole gimmick of this program is that I've never watched any of this before. So seeing this now for the first time, I have to tell you that this must have been incredible. Plus, it was played perfectly. Shivani sold it beautifully. The only thing I would have changed is that I would have had Hall leave through the crowd as opposed to going up the, up the aisle. Yep. Other than that, I cannot imagine how jaw-dropping this must have been in 1996. Yeah, th- Wrestling didn't do this. Wrestling doesn't do this <laughs> to, to some degree. And for all of WCW's faults, they got it absolutely perfect. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I love w- watching it back again for this. I f- forgot. I love the fact that if you're paying attention, you can see Hall at the back of right. the hard camera. Right. And you can see the heads of the crowd turn <laughs> but row by row as he goes down the stairs. It's phenomenal. And yeah, everybody plays it absolutely straight. Um, it's wonderful. It's, it's, it is as good as the history says and fair play to Bischoff and whoever and everybody involved because it's, it's wonderful, wonderful yeah. stuff. It must have blown people's minds because it's, it's Razor Ramon. Right. For, for, for all intents and purposes, that is Razor Ramon on WCW Monday Nitro. Mm-hmm. To the point where that, he's, he's got the slicked hair, he's doing, doing mostly the voice, he's got yep. the toothpick, it's the whole, yeah, it's... It's the whole enchilada, <laughs> as I believe the phrase is. And, again, not wanting to be spoiler pants, but it <laughs> carries on. Yeah. This, you know, the, the tone is perfect. Yeah. And what a way to start the you know the unopposed out before the WWF even gets to air. Right. You've dropped a, a, a nuclear megaton warhead. Right. When we come back from break, uh, Sergeant Craig enters with Teddy Long. He'll be taking on DDP, who has regained his last name since his nameplate last week. <laughs> yes. Zabisco calls Page the New American Dream. Because he went from the gutter to the penthouse by winning the Lord of the Ring tournament. You may remember, however, that last week he was stripped of his world title shot for no goddamn reason, and it yep. was given to Lex Luger for no goddamn reason. Craig starts things off with some one-handed push-ups. DDP goes for a boot, and Craig moves, which causes DDP to take a huge bump. Comedy. Pittman is apparently Samoan as Paige headbutts him and, uh, and bumps out of the ring. Craig locks Paige in the code red, but he makes it to the ropes. He grabs Teddy Long from the ring and shoves him into the barricade. This is enough of a distraction to Pittman that it allows DDP to hit the diamond cutter for the win. It was a, it was a match. It was. Um, 
I, I do like my DDP comedy. <laughs> I mean, the whole headbutting thing, kind of racially insensitive. Let's put that out there. <laughs> Still quite funny to watch him stagger and fall out into the cables like he did at Slamboree. Yeah. Um, him goading Craig into the, the push-up sort of contest, only then to pratfall when he goes for the sneaky <laughs> heel kick, I thought was, you know, kind of funny because he, you know, he looks a bit like a, a, a chump. Um, but the, the, what they've got going with Craig Pittman is a bit weird because it's like they're saying, oh, by the way, he's, he's taken on a manager and he is now worse because of it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the, Sort of antithesis of every wrestler gets a manager storyline I think I've ever seen. Yeah. The idea is that this man guides them and makes them more ruthless, vicious. But um, five stars for Diamond Cutters, because for some reason I just completely, unobjectively love that move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like sleazy, lime green clad DDP. He doesn't so much walk into the ring as more kind of oozes down the ramp. <laughs> Which I kind of like. Um, and the fact that he's quite, you know, he, he talks to the camera. I think it's one of those things I kind of like. You know, when he's, uh, after the initial exchanges there, you know, screaming, what the hell is that, was that when Craig's doing like his amateur wrestling stuff? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's yeah. all self high five stuff that he can't do because he's selling the arm. Right. No, DDP is great. He's, 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 he rapidly became a firm favorite with I have, me. I have no qualms in saying that. DDP is fantastic. Nope. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a match, but I mean, anything that's going to follow. Right. You know, that. <laughs> I think it was right that they just kind of just put something in just to, you know, just to fill, fill a bit of time. Right. Something that no one is going to be paying attention to because everyone's going to be like, yeah. is that fucking, did you see, is that? All right, we come back from break, and for the first time ever on Nitro, Mean Gene is backstage. He's with Shark. Shark screams about losing matches and getting kicked out of the Dungeon of Doom. Literally screams. Here's a snippet. The locker room area, I'm with Shark. Now, I thought you've been with the Dungeon of Doom, but apparently you're not uh, sharing a locker room with these gentlemen any longer. Yeah. all of a sudden, Jimmy Hart and the Taskmaster, real buddy-buddy, huh? Jimmy Hart brings a man in, Slambury, and he makes me lose the match. I'm not supposed to be upset. I'm in Jimmy Hart's face. The giant comes, choke slams me. All of a sudden, Taskmaster says, I'm not in the dungeon anymore. Now imagine that for like two, three whole minutes. This was not a good promo. Gene <laughs> uh, then it- sends us to a video. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say it, it was it, it was fine when he was when he was earthquake, <laughs> but as as shark, no. Nah. <laughs> oh, more on that next week. Gene then sends us to a video about what Hogan's do, been doing instead of his job. This <laughs> this video rides Hogan's dick so hard that Gawker tried to buy the rights to it. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done. <laughs> that that was fantastic. I, I was very proud of that joke when I wrote it. We are then welcome to the second um, hour. Sorry, I, I, I just, I, I just love the fact that all of the celebrities you've got: George Foreman, Shaq, Dennis Rodman, <laughs> and Sugar Ray. Given what we now know Hogan for, <laughs> only, <laughs> only makes it funnier. Mm. I think Shaq drops like a WrestleMania in there or something. There was one thing, something like that. Yeah, because I remember watching that, and going, "Ooh, that's a WWF thing," but they left it in. Uh 
We are then welcomed to the second hour by our old friend Eric Bischoff. They then try to set the cameraman on fire. Seriously, go go back and watch that. It's around the 37 minute and 53 second mark. Yep. Uh, Bischoff and Heenan are at the desk. Bischoff is wearing a denim button down shirt and a leather vest. He is the lamest looking biker ever. Uh, Bischoff says he won't dignify Scott Hall with a response by responding to him. Yeah, anyway. we're not going to talk about him by talking about yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to keep people from changing the channel, it is world title time. Why anyone would think that the giant defending against the shark, a guy who has no chance of winning, would keep people tuned in, I don't know. Uh, also of note, Shark's hometown. Introducing first the challenger from Tsunami, weighing over 500 pounds. This guy, he's got his work cut out for him. The shark. The shark, a big man. From Tsunami. Not a Tsunami, just... Tsunami. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the giant enters with Jimmy Hart as Heenan puts over the fact that giant is actually outweighed by shark. Bischoff rem- reminds us that Luger backed in, quote unquote, to a world title shot. Luger wasn't, he wasn't even in the goddamn tournament. Yeah. If you are truly going to disqualify Paige from the world title match he is entitled to, wouldn't you give it to the guy who came in second place in the battle bowl? Wouldn't Barbarian just get the shot? Exactly. Although, again, Giant versus Barbarian, Great American Bash. <laughs> anyway, uh, we get two huge guys trying to knock each other down until Giant actually does so with a clothesline. Shark gets knocked into the corner and Giant puts a boot across his throat. Shark goes to the second rope and hits an axe handle and Giant doesn't sell it. Shark, I think, tries to hit some kind of a trap suplex on Giant but gets nothing. Giant then body slams Shark while everyone creams themselves in shock. Shark tries to fight back by going for the eyes of the giant, then some shoulder blocks to the gut, which is really more of the crotch in the corner. Shark then grinds giant's face across the top rope. Bischoff then describes their new scheduling thusly. We'll be coming to you each and every week from this point forward. The first hour at 8 o'clock, the second hour starting approximately at 8.50, each and every week here on TNT. That that is not how time works. The hour is not 50... Anyway... Uh, Shark sends Giant across but gets reversed. He counters the follow-up with a boot, and Shark comes off the second rope with a diving clothesline that finally takes the Giant down. Giant sells for about 15 seconds while Shark goes after Jimmy Hart, then chokeslams Shark and retains his WCW championship. Surprise! Uh, Gay biker Bubba then enters the ring and cuts off Shark's hair. Well, (laughs) half of Shark's hair. This seems to be on purpose. Bischoff promises us a TV title match after the break. This this was woeful, <laughs> I think is the best way to describe it. Um, I, at the time I remarked, it's like both of these guys work well when they're the big monster fighting the little guy, right. like the plucky underdog. But is anybody going to buy the shark as a plucky underdog, <laughs> given that he's... He's like, I mean, I've got these in my new notes here. Is what an episode of Four or Five Live this would make. <laughs> <laughs> it's there's nothing to say that two big fat guys can't have amazing hoss fights, but this was not an no, amazing hoss fight. No. This was your foregone conclusion match of the evening, because like we said, who oh, yeah. is who is going to buy? Who is going to buy that the shark? is going to be the world. It's going to take the title off of the Giant. I mean, yeah, the WCW title, they like to claim that its lineage goes back to the NWA, so you look at guys like Lee Fez, 
um, Harley Race, you know, Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, the Shark. <laughs> uh, it's like the Boogeyman holding the WWF, the <laughs> WWWF belt. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Bischoff then once again doesn't respond to Scott Hall by telling us that he'll get a chance to make a challenge later. Anyway, enter Max. That's it. Just Max, two X's, who is facing Luger. For the TV title, I wonder how this is going to go. Luger for I, the. F- I think. Sorry, before we go on, I think yeah. Max may be the only wrestler to have ever had a make under. Because <laughs> uh, he's got he's gone from like spandex like gym guy to create a wrestler template number five. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, just set that uh, just set that body morphing all the way to muscular, and you'll be and you'll have Max. Yep. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Luger, for the first time ever, gets Kane's pyro when he flexes in the ring. Uh, the match begins with Max showing off his strength against Luger. Honestly, if you showed me a picture of Max next to a picture of Luger from the neck down, I cannot 100% guarantee that I'd be able to tell which one is which. <laughs> it's, w- it's, the, it's the old Mortal Kombat mirror match. <laughs> I would say Lex is slightly leaner than Max, but that's about it. Uh, a huge power slam by Max gets a two count. Bischoff then talks someone off headset, saying, "If he wants to come out here, he can wait till the end of the hour." <laughs> they're doing—they're doing a great job not responding to Hall. Yeah. Max clubs Luger's back against the ropes. Then a big side slam gets a couple two counts. A leaping elbow drop gets a two count. Bischoff runs down what's been announced for the bash so far. We have NFL versus WCW, Benoit versus Taskmaster in a falls count anywhere match. During the description of which Bischoff says this. Oddly prescient phrase. And listen, Benoit looking at the Taskmaster like a home record for the Four Horsemen. This guy comes a little bit of uh, trouble. Plus your main event tonight, Sting versus Scott Steiner. Max then charges at Luger in the corner but eats a boot. Then the loaded forearm, which causes Bischoff to name drop Yokozuna again. <laughs> Why does he keep doing that? Yokozuna, as far as I can tell, Yokozuna has never been in WCW. I don't know why nope. they're dropping a specifically WWF reference there. Yeah, he, he was like AWA and then WWF yeah. and then Indies and then dead. dead. <laughs> um, it, it's we. I I can only assume at this point that they were in talks with him because WCW had a, a like a, a a history of this. Mm. Like there was a time in sort of 92 when they were talking to Brett and they would kind of pretty much say, oh yeah, we're, we're going to have Brett Hart soon. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, but he, you, you're not though. So I can only assume that they thought they were getting Yokozuna at some point. That would have been weird. Um, anyway, uh, Luger has to double pump the torture rack, but he eventually gets Max up there and the bell rings. We then go to Gene in the ring. He reminds us again that Luger will face Giant at the Great American Bash. Gene calls out Luger for not actually doing anything to earn the title shot. Uh, Gene then sends us to three replays of Luger <laughs> getting chokeslammed through the table. Luger says he wants every big man WCW's got to prepare for the Giant at Great American Bash. <laughs> it's, I, again... It's not gay, it's pro wrestling. <laughs> it's just one of those, it's like you're taken out of context. You could have a lot of fun with that soundbite. <laughs> it's like at the very beginning of the year, there's like a Sting promo when he's talking about Luger. And it's like, if you didn't know, they were talking about if Luger was heel or face or not. It really does sound like there's 
you know, someone's like insinuated that they're gay yeah. for each other. <laughs> also, how many how many big men does WCW really have other than the giant? You've got Shark, and from there, it kind of drops off pretty fast. Yeah. I, I suppose Hugh Morris, because <laughs> Loch Ness is gone, the Yeti is gone. Yep, oh, we got nothing. Um, all right, we come. <laughs> although, although, was the Yeti ever really here? Yeah. <laughs> We come back for the entrance of that schmuck hard work Bobby Walker. We then get the third shot tonight of the same four people in the front row. Walker's opponent is Brad Armstrong. This is a cruiserweight title contender match. Uh, Bischoff then doesn't respond to Scott Hall's interruption by mentioning it for the third time this hour, even though he says he won't dignify Hall by mentioning him by name. Uh, Walker botches two flippy moves, and then Bischoff mentions that the challenger at the bash is one Ray Mysterio Jr. Hmm. Oh. I wonder what. Uh, I wonder how he'll be. Uh, we go back and forth on the mat as Heenan and Bischoff continue to talk about Mongo and Kevin Green. A small package gets a two for Walker. A backslide gets a two for Walker. Walker then botches another top rope move, but pins Armstrong with one shoulder up. They shake hands in the ring as Heenan rightfully argues that Armstrong's shoulder was up, and we go to break. Yeah, it's... Poor guy, this was not a good showing for Mr. Hardwork. Mm-mm. Bobby Walker, hard work, you know, for the for the audience <laughs> rather than rather than the actual wrestlers. I love the fact that there's a guy in the front row clearly doing the biggest yawn <laughs> <laughs> during this. I think it, I think it's actually during the finish. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's one fan just sat there, arms folded, yawning <laughs> like a chasm. And yeah, poor old Bobby Walker. It's like he was not ready to try diving off of the top rope. Because yeah. the only reaction this gets is the crowd doing mild chuckles when he falls. Yeah. So yeah, not uh, not good. And, and then he does it again. Yeah. Oh, bad. Not not good. It, he's not a great advert for the power plant at this point, <laughs> is he? Mm. Uh, back to the arena, and it's Lord Steven Regal and Jeeves. Bischoff mentions the interruption for a fourth time. Regal is taking on Alex Wright. They lock up, and Wright backs Regal into a corner. Regal with a takeover and an arm lock. Wright cartwheels out of that and takes Regal over. A test of strength by Regal is just a ruse to get Wright back into an arm lock, and Wright does more flippy shit to get out of it. A pair of head scissor takedowns, and Regal takes a powder. A baseball slide sends Regal into the barricade, and then leaps over the top rope onto Regal as we go to break. Finally, we get a different Glacier promo, though some of this one looks like it was shot on a video camera pointed at a CRT TV screen. Weird. Wright on the offense when we come back, but Regal quickly takes that back. A European uppercut, then Wright gets two of his own, then a drop toehold by Regal, followed by a headlock on the mat and some open palm strikes to the side of Wright's head. I love when Regal gets vicious. Uh, yeah. Belly to belly by right gets a two count. A kick to the face by Regal gets a two count, and back into a chin lock and some forearm strikes to the face. Bischoff then mentions Hall for the fifth time. Some back elbows in the corner by Regal. Right fights out of some European uppercuts. An Irish whip backflip into a schoolboy that gets a two count. Then a wrist lock on the rat on the mat by Regal. Regal goes to the corner and tries to do a clever counter into a schoolboy, but he doesn't try to backflip sadly. But Wright turns it into a pin himself and gets a two count. A wheel kick by Wright gets a two count. Then a Regal counters a monkey flip by just whiplashing Wright onto the canvas. Yeah. Then a jackknife pin for three. The victory replay is brought to you by PlayStation. This again, it's it's you know it's Stephen Regal, so I, I thought this was a decent match. Yep. 
the man can do no wrong um in my well, eyes well we'll get we'll get to the promo in a second but again the man can do no wrong in my <laughs> eyes <laughs> uh, i i, I kind of like this i i do like I, I like Alex Wright. I like yeah. Regal. You stick Regal on an A episode of Nitro, and instantly it's a better show because of it. Sure. Um, I did like him turning to the camera during a hold to address the audience that he was unhappy that Hall was here. <laughs> uh, comes from literally nowhere, but hell yes, I want Steve Regal to fight Scott Hall. <laughs> Regal is amazing. He's always been the best. I'd... Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I I I I can't be objective because I, I I love Regal, but I I found the match really entertaining. Yes. Uh, Gene is in the ring with Regal now. We get some anti-American sentiment from Regal. Regal also calls Alex Wright Junior Adolf. Okay. It's it's hmm. an <laughs> uh, Regal takes a lot of his shtick and mannerisms from. Like old British sort of sitcoms, mm-hmm. etc. And for a time, your know, Junior Adolf was, it was, I'll not say it was good, but it was used as like a just a generic, we are angry at the Germans call. <laughs> okay. So he, it, I, I'm not defending his use of it, <laughs> but it it did make me chuckle because it's like. You, he managed to say those words on American TV. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps it was less egregious in 1996. Yes. But uh, Regal says it's his time to shine. Gene points out a child in the crowd who's flipping him off, and Regal calls the child a meager peasant. Uh, Regal then challenges the man they call the franchise. Shane Douglas? <laughs> Is he in WCW? And says if he beats him, then he should get a chance at the giant. Bischoff promises our main event... After the break. Um, also in this, he, I love how he describes um, the giant as an escapee from Barnum and Bailey's, which is a very famous <laughs> circus. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. It's it, it's a shame that Nitro wasn't actually airing very much in the UK at this point, because that promo was pretty much exclusively for, for <laughs> British viewers. <laughs> <laughs> Calling Sting a bloody, a painted face bloody clown. <laughs> it's It's just... It's, it's peak British. All, all he needed was a bowl of hat and a, a cup of tea on the go. <laughs> and a cane. Maybe a cane. Yes. Oh, God, I love Regal. Anyway, uh, Steiner enters when we come back. Steiner enters without his Michigan jacket and wearing short trunks instead of a, sting, uh, a singlet. Sting still needs a haircut. Bischoff then mentions the interruption for a sixth time. They're doing a great job not to... Not, not yeah. When the match starts, Scott has pulled up the straps of his singlet. So, what, did the airline lose the jacket? Like, anyway. Uh, big hip toss by Sting right off the top. Steiner's singlet actually matches Sting's face paint. Yeah. Uh, a big gorilla press slam takes Sting down. A headlock off the ropes, and Sting goes down with a shoulder block, a duck under, and a leapfrog, and Sting drop kicks Steiner. Sting gets Irish whipped into the corner, but comes back by just hopping on the second rope and throwing himself at Steiner. Uh, he then clotheslines Steiner, who goes through the ropes to the floor, and then a diving attack by, attack by Sting. Back in the ring, and a double underhook powerbomb by Scott, ability belly by Scott, and Sting rolls to the floor. Scott goes to the top and leaps down with a double axe handle. Scott rolls Sting into the ring and gets a two count. Irish whip to the corner, and Scott eats a boot on the follow-up. Another reversed Irish whip and an overhead belly to belly by Steiner. There's so many reversed Irish whips tonight. 
Yeah. STF by Steiner. Steiner's face lock is somehow worse than John Cena's. I have that exact <laughs> note. <laughs> He's got one of Sting's shoulders in his armpit, for God's sake. Uh, Steiner then transitions into a cross arm breaker. A pin attempt gets two, then a body slam by Steiner. Suplex gets countered into a scorpion death drop, which they don't call that, so I guess that's not his trademark yet. Uh, a stinger splash, another Irish whip across, then Scott avoids the second splash and hits a dragon suplex. The ref checks on Sting as Luger comes to ringside, then Rick Steiner appears from the back wearing a singlet, a light blue t-shirt, and a tan baseball cap. It's almost like he wasn't ready for his cue and they just sent him out as he was. Take the it's, goddamn hat off, man. He is he is a fashion plate, it also, isn't he? It also looks like a hypercolor t-shirt. If you... Yes. <laughs> oh, that is perhaps the most 90 sentence I have heard in a long time. I forgot they were a thing. Mm-hmm. It, it is, at the very least, tie-dyed. Hmm. Scott misses a Frankenstein number, gets to the ropes before Sting can put the deathlock on. Sting counters a tombstone into a tombstone, but only gets a two-count. Fuck you, Undertaker. Sting goes for a running <laughs> splash on the mat, but Steiner gets his knees up. Uh, he ro- Sting rolls to the apron, blocks a suplex into the ring. Sting tries to suplex Scott to the floor, but Scott basically lands on his feet. Scott tries a suplex on the floor, and Lex runs over to block it. No disqualification there. It then breaks down into chaos as the two teams just brawl with each other, and Nick Patrick finally calls for the bell, marking this a no contest. Uh, the faces yeah. run out to break everyone up, and we go back to the desk. They continue to fight, you can tell, because the crowd cheers again, and the bell rings again while we're at the desk. <laughs> this is, uh, we talked about it on the on the last episode, they have a thing for not having finishes to their matches. Yeah, it, it's one of those, it's... it's... <clears throat> It's the the trap that certainly modern WWE occasionally falls into, but TNA was notorious for it. Like the parity booking thing, the idea of not wanting anyone to look particularly weak Mm -hmm. by being defeated. But if everybody's strong, nobody's strong. Right. (laughs) It, It... it's almost like they just didn't have a finish, and they just didn't want to create a finish. So it's just, ah, just have them fight. Just, you know, double DQ. There you go. Um, all right, so we are at the desk at this point. Scott Hall, who has not been mentioned for the last hour. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you'd think they would talk about it more. <laughs> then appears at the desk. Hey, looky here. You want to just you got such a big mouth. And we, we are sick of it. What do you mean, who's we? Hey, this is where the big boys play? What a joke. I tell you what, you go tell billionaire Ted, you tell him get three of his very, very best. Maybe, uh, maybe the Nacho Man. Hey, maybe, maybe you get the stinger. Ooh, I'm so scared. You go get anybody you want, because we... What do you mean, we? We are taking over. You want to go to war? You want a war? You got one. Only, only let's do it right. In the ring, where it matters. 
not on no microphones, not in no newspapers or dirt sheets. Let's do it in the ring where it matters. If, uh, if billionaire Ted and his big boys, if they got any, uh, any guts, because we are coming down here You're stepping over the line and like it or not not we are taking over you're out of here you're out of here and that's it that's how we go off the air now obviously knowing what we know now now that it's years after the fact it's obvious who we is but mm-hmm. can you can you imagine watching this on May twenty seventh, nineteen ninety six, and not knowing? And I know it blows my tiny mind. Yeah. <laughs> to think if you were watching this, you this was it. This this is on. This is WWF versus WCW. Yeah. To all intents and purposes. I mean, you know, you wouldn't know the backstage part. You wouldn't know Hall's contract was up and he'd signed a few weeks prior. You weren't to know that. Uh, Kevin Nash had worked his last dates. Right. Yeah, you know, it's it could be anybody. You know, it's like you, your mind races. Is it Sean? Is it Brett? Is it Undertaker? Is yeah. it you know? Just as far as what WCW is presenting, this is the WWF now coming down to WCW. Right. It's pitched absolutely perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Can you can you imagine just spending the entire you know next week? You know, up until the next yeah. the next episode, wondering who the hell we could possibly be, and who else from up north would be appearing on Nitro next week. I know God, it's 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 perfect way to generate buzz about yeah. your your wrestling show in an era where you can't like do social media or anything like that. You know, you have to go week on week on week. But yeah. to, you know, I imagine like what thirteen year old me would have been profit frothing at the mouth for the next episode of Nitro (laughs) to see who it was. Yeah, it's it's no wonder it's no wonder WCW started dominating in the ratings like that. How could they not? I mean it's it's live every week and as unpredictable as unpredictable gets at this point. My only complaint about this whole thing is that bizarre I was so scared line uh, from the closing promo and the repetitiveness of that of that promo. You can only say, You want a war? Uh we're taking over and yeah, in, it, the, in the ring so many times before it gets a bit bland. A little bit, a little bit. I mean, yeah, it does come off as unscripted, which I guess is kind of what they're going for, but, you know, it, it, if 20 some years, uh, 22 years hence, we, I can think we can afford to be a bit nitpicky. And yeah, perhaps a couple more points in there other than you won a war and we're taking over. Mm-hmm. But, oh, just, it's just mind-boggling stuff. And it's genuinely good. Regardless of, you know, like, people say, oh, it's, it's just historic because of what it is. But it's like, no, it's actually really well done. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just, hey, what about that time Scott Hall showed up on Nitro? Right. It's like, no, there's, there's, co- in context, it's fucking phenomenal. Right. <laughs> I also I don't know whether to, whether or not to feel bad for Scott for painting himself into a corner by using the Razor Ramon voice and then having to stick with that for the rest of his entire career, but again, it works it works with the it works with the gimmick that they're trying to put over here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Twenty two years. Why would you have to say twenty two years? I know. I do apologize. I so I made my I made myself sad <laughs> as I was doing that. Oh, 
All in all, though, I would say a great start for a two-hour Nitro. Uh, you can tell that they were both counter-programming for a live Raw that they couldn't plan for, and also doing everything in their power to keep folks from changing that channel at 9 o'clock. Uh, even though a lot of these felt like throwaway matches and none of them really knocked anyone's socks off, there was an excitement that kind of kept me hooked in for the entire show. There was a bit of energy about it, wasn't there? Yeah. I, I am so ready for Nitro to get good. You have no idea. <laughs> yeah. If you... Uh, it, it gets very, very good. Yeah. At, at points. It also gets very, very dumb at some points. <laughs> but that is equally as good. Yeah. If you if you go back and watch anything tonight, I would say uh, either the opening tag match between the Horsemen and the American Males or, uh, of course, Alex Wright versus Lord Steven Regal. Um do you have any other choices or um yeah just just pretty much that that first 50 minutes of the show is like required viewing i think at this point <laughs> um and then yeah uh regal right won't be to everybody's tastes but if you like your stephen william regal you will find a lot to enjoy yes particularly how he treats alex wright at some yes. point Yes. That poor guy. He, 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 he's, he's a whipping boy. <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost literally, not mm. just figuratively at, at some points in this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this episode of Nitro has a 6.42 on Cage Match out of 10 and pulled in a TV rating of 2.8 this week. Uh, now, uh, Martin, now that you're here, it is time to do something that we have not, uh, yet had to do just on an episode of Nitro. It is time to, uh, to, to, to judge some people. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, I do have the results of last week's uh, poll on Road Warrior Hawk, so we'll get to that in a second. Um, ah, yes. So, uh, this was Steve Dahl's only appearance on Nitro ever. <laughs> Kel Sabrese. <laughs> so, I, I, I have to ask the question just to make it, to make it legal. Uh, does he go to the rafters or does he go to the dumpster? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think even he would carry himself to the dumpster if he could. Um, he is a an answer to a trivia question, yes. a, along with the likes of Damien Demento, but that's about it. So unfortunately, Mister Doll, it it is the dumpster for him. Here's here's the weird thing though. This is also the only appearance of the Mauler. And if Cage Match is to be believed, only one of the two matches of the Mauler in WCW, but the other one, in about a week and a half, is a dark match on WCW Saturday night, wasn't this Mauler. It was a different Mauler. <laughs> Are they like the Vianos? Is there like six of them? So, is there six Maulers? So, Mauler number one? I'm afraid you're going in the dumpster too, pal. <laughs> I, I love the idea. It's like the old ECW pit bulls. It's like pit bull number one and pit bull number two. <laughs> Imagine being the number two guy in your own team. <laughs> and from last week, uh, now, now Martin, when you and I recorded, we both agreed that, that Hawks run on Nitromania was dumpster worthy. Andy oh, disagreed. Yes. We had a tie. So we sent it to Twitter. Uh, I said, it's up to you. Is Road Warrior Hawks run on Nitromania worthy of the rafters or is he headed for the dumpster? And I got six votes on the poll. And by a margin of six votes, uh, Hawk is going to the dumpster. <laughs> Sorry, Hawk. 
that is the faith in your audience restored. <laughs> Legacy means nothing to these people. Going back to going back to this here, there, there's something about the fact that they put these two nothings on Nitro as a one shot so that Scott Call could debut during a match that nobody fucking cared about. It just makes me laugh. Uh, I really uh, enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It's, I I imagine you know like the guys behind the the Mauler and sorry Mauler number one and uh, <laughs> Steve Doll gimmicks. Holy crap! You know we're going to be on Nitro. You know, we're on the flagship. Oh, <laughs> it's not our chance. We're just cannon fodder for something right. much better. Right. All right, one more before we move on. This was the last match for the gimmick known as the Shark here on Nitro. Uh, this world title loss and half head shaving. So does the Shark go to the rafters or the dumpster? Uh, as much as I love John Tenter and as much as I semi-ironically love the Dungeon of Doom, it's got to be. It has to be the dumpster. He 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 was he was nothing more than just a goon for Hogan to to beat over and over again. Pretty much. However, if this was, you know, if we're taking, unfortunately, we can't take like next week or the the coming weeks into account because there is the declaration. That a man makes. Oh yes. Well, <laughs> in, rega- in regards to the shark, that is a fantastic, and that is like rafters worthy. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there next week. But uh, right now, for this week, sorry, shark. All right. Meanwhile, over on Raw, which is still just one hour long, we are live from Fayetteville, North Carolina, following the first attempt at the In Your House Beware of Dog pay per view. <laughs> uh, we open immediately with a match, which is odd for a live episode of Raw. Yeah. Neither. Ultimate Warrior or Goldust qualify for the King of the Ring tournament thanks to a double countout. Uh, <laughs> we then get a recap of Beware of Dog, including the matches that took place in the dark. Uh, Ted DiBiase then promises to leave WWF if Steve Austin does not win the second Caribbean Strap match tomorrow night. The new WWF tag champions, the Smoking Guns, defeat the Body Donnas when Bart pins Zip, I think. Apparently, Sonny just comes with the tag belts at this point. Uh, she's part that, of the championship. That, that be- yeah, that becomes uh, like a running joke, almost. <laughs> they then uh, recap the controversy surrounding the ending of the WWF title match between Bulldog and Shawn Michaels. Uh, then the Sega Saturn Slam of the Week, which is also the dusty finish from last night. Then, in your main event, Vader qualifies for the King of the Ring by pinning Ahmed Johnson, uh, marking Ahmed's first loss in the WWF. Uh, Goldust then gives Ahmed mouth-to-mouth because it's gay. Ahmed then goes chasing after Goldust because he hates gay people. Vince then calls Goldust saving Ahmed's life revolting and not the fact that Ahmed wants to murder Goldust for saving his life revolting. <laughs> yeah. 1996, everybody. It is a, a, a not just a different, different time, it's like a different continent. It's a different <laughs> hemisphere from today. And yes, particularly in the WWF, particularly 1996, particularly entirely centered around Goldust. And yes, you heard correctly. There were three matches in total on that episode of Raw, one of which ended in a double countout. Unsurprisingly, this episode scored lower than Nitro on both counts, getting a 4.7 out of 10 on Cage Match and only bringing in a 2.3 TV rating. And so... That does it for Nitromania. I told you at the top of the show this would be a big one, didn't I? 
next week on Nitro, maybe we get to find out who we is. Plus, next week is already June, which means we're coming right up quick on the Great American Bash and my special guest host ep- for that episode. That's just three weeks away. Uh, in the meantime, Martin, where can uh, where can folks find you on the internet? Um, aside from the like New Blood Rising sort of podcast stuff, so like Podbean um, and Questionable Endeavors Network. Um, myself personally can mostly be found moping around Twitter, posting like animal gifts. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much all I do these days. Um, you can find me at Bunny Suicida, so that's at B U N N Y S U I C I D A. And I guess, seeing as we I, we now have an episode, I'm going to have to explain that again. <laughs> <laughs> It's, because I always have to, because of it's such a weird username. It's it's a great username, though. Um, it, I, I love it a bit. I'm, I, I'm as, so... as soon as I saw it, I, I thought of that book. Because, yeah, I, because I own that book, and it's fucking great. But please. For, for listeners, I am a huge fan, like like your, your erstwhile host, Adam, here, of um, a, car- a book of cartoons called The Big Book of Bunny Suicides by Andy Riley, which is just a series of like little line drawing cartoons of cute rabbits hurting and killing themselves in ridiculously gory and dark ways. It's very dark humor. Um, to go around like various internets, calling myself bunny suicide, I think would be a bit, um, sort of macabre and morbid <laughs> as someone who has mental health issues. So I, um, I'm also a huge fan of Samoa Joe. And I am a big fan of that move where a big fat guy hurls himself through the ropes and hits a guy with an elbow. <laughs> like, like Mitsuharu Misawa, because I love that kind of stuff. So, and his move is the elbow suicida, or it was in TNA. So to get around the fact that I don't want to call myself suicide, I thought I'd do that. So pay homage to, you know, Samoa Joe, who I'm a, a big fan of. And, I love the fact that your know, cute rabbits want to hurt themselves, <laughs> and that's how it came about. And it's just lucky. I, I I didn't want to use a name on various things that had numbers after it purely because I didn't want to have to remember them. Right. I'm I'm bad with numbers for some reason. So yeah, the fact that you know, on PlayStation, Xbox, and that I can I I get to have that and no numbers after it is is wonderful. It's like I'm I built a brand without knowing it. <laughs> I used to have a friend who, who's uh, back when AIM was a thing, whose oh yeah, whose username was just literally, literally a, a seemingly random stream of letters and numbers, <laughs> and I'm like, how do you even how do you even remember that when you when you tell it to people? Anyway, and so so people who are good with numbers, I I envy them so much. <laughs> words words I'm okay with, numbers oh, no, not so much. If you want to see me live and in person, uh, certainly will not stop you. Uh, you can find me at LPW Mayhem on Saturday, April 14th in Clinton, Mass., or A Nightmare on Bow Street, presented by Elkmania Promotions on Saturday, April 28th. Uh, this is after that, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Uh, if you have interests, check out questendnetwork.com, and I'm sure you can find something that would entertain those interests. There are wrestling shows, anime shows, general geekery, there's Let's Play YouTube videos, even a D&D campaign show, all at questendnetwork.com. I might recommend... This fine show for you to check out. Hey, Atta, do you like anime? I do like anime. What about you? I love it! 
Well, if you love it so much, why don't you marry it, you piece of shit? We kind of did marry it. We did. By making a podcast? It ain't a healthy marriage. It controls our lives. And that podcast is the Reanimator Pod. That's R-E-A-N-I-M-A-T-O-R Pod. And you can hear new episodes every Monday. And here's a little taste. It's Alice in Wonderland meets Inception with an acid-infused EDM rave twist. I like it. Is what I wish I could say. Okay. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I the shot my low too early there. <laughs> Hotro then asked Yuma, "Are you turned on?" Not in that deep a register, <laughs> but that's what she asked her. Are you turned on? Turned on yet? <laughs> well, guys, are you turned on yet? If not, I'll keep going. All right. Today, we are going to start. <laughs> well, I, I We're tried, gonna start snoozing. I tried to make a dramatic pause. And speaking of podcasts, check out all the shows right here on this feed. You've got yourself The Rundown Sit-Down with Jason, WrestleMania Salvation with Sal, NXT Revisited, and Glow Stick with Troy, and The Rundown itself. A whole lot of wrestling, past, present, and future in one convenient feed. If you'd like to help us out on the Bills side of things, we certainly would not turn you away. You can make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash rundownwrestling, or go to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling to become a monthly donor. $5 a month gets you access to patron-exclusive shows, bonus episodes, and early release content. $10 a month gets you all that, plus the ability to guest host on any show on our feed except for the sit-down. Help us bring this content to you every single week, and you shall be summarily rewarded with even more content. Sound like a deal? I think that sounds like a deal. Uh, finally, please feel free to let me know what you think of the show. I'm always open to suggestions, or if you'd like to see someone guest host a pay-per-view episode, you can tell me that as well. On Twitter, at NitromaniaPod, or via email, NitromaniaPod at gmail.com. Uh, Martin, thank you for coming back, and uh, thank- this one and- should not disappear, so everybody <laughs> will get to hear you this time. And thank you for allowing me back. <laughs> of course. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, just thank you to you and thank you to everybody listening for allowing me into your ear holes once again. So until next week, everyone, please be sure to take care of all your wars in the ring where it matters. And I will talk to you next time right here <laughs> on my trip. <laughs>